0: Let's be turning to Luke chapter 15. Our text is the chapter of Luke 15. Now, this chapter contains what are basically three parables that together make up one whole parable. And we see in these the great Mercy. We see the love of our God for His people, His chosen, redeemed, regenerated, received people. Now it begins in verse 1 and 2. I just want to read this with you here. Then drew near unto Christ all the publicans and sinners. Now, publicans are tax collectors for Rome, they are Jewish. They're they're Jews by, by birth, but they're collecting taxes and handing over that money that's collected over to Rome. And so you can imagine they were not very popular among the citizens of Israel. And these publicans and sinners were drawing near to Christ for this purpose, to hear him. And these people would be hated by the religious society of the Jews. They were hated by those who practiced their religion of Judaism as faithfully as they, they thought they could. And they would avoid them. And so these people are drawn near to Christ. And we see in verse 2, the Pharisees and scribes, these religious ones, murmur, saying, this man receiveth sinners And eateth with them. Now, they said this to disparage Christ. They they said this to knock Christ down in the eyes of the people. Anyone that would listen to them, they wanted others to hate Christ as much as they hated Christ. How could he join himself with these publicans and sinners? They're so clearly filthy, vile, wretched sinners. But that's the purpose here of what our Lord says here. It's showing us the tenderness, the love of our Savior for sinners, guilty, vile, wretched sinners who cannot save themselves. It's, he's showing us just how tender, how warm, how inviting, how gracious God is to His people, anyone who needs mercy, anyone who needs the grace of God because they cannot provide a righteousness for themselves, let them come, come to the fountain, drink, drink, eat, feast upon the Lord Jesus Christ. He's gracious and merciful to all who come to him seeking him because he's the one who works it in the heart of his people. But we don't don't know that. So you that are guilty, vile sinners who have no righteousness of yourselves, come to Christ, go to him, run to him, ask him for mercy. He receives all who come to him seeking mercy. And while he's speaking tenderly so that these publicans and sinners who were cast out by the religious of the society, while he's speaking tenderly to them so that they draw near to him, they want to hear what he's saying. They want to hear... Christ and what what the words that he's saying at the same time it exposes the hardness of the heart of the Pharisees and the scribes. You know religion has a way of just sucking moisture right out of you. Leaving you to be dry, cold, hard of heart, bitter, cynical, trying to keep people out and and I know this because I see the effects of dead-letter religion in my own heart, in my own mind. How easy I can judge another. How easy I can despise another who doesn't line up with what I think they should be doing or how they should look. I can do it on the road. I can do it in my house. I can do it at my place of work. I can do it in the church. I can judge anybody, anywhere, all the time. Because that's what I am by nature a wretched, self righteous sinner who thinks he's something when he's nothing. And it's only by the grace of God that we are humbled and that we, we hear what the Lord says. And 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 this these parables, which is one parable, shows us how gracious God is. And and when we see what we are in ourselves, we're very thankful for how gracious and kind. Our Lord is. So, we'll be covering this whole chapter, so it won't be a deep, deep dive, but I want us to see each part of this parable, and it's declaring the mercy and compassion of the Godhead for sinners, for his people, for his lost children who need to be found, who need salvation. The Son, the Spirit, and the Father, in that order. That's how these parables are come, declaring the salvation of the Son, of the work of the Spirit, and the receiving of the Father. So I've titled this Redeemed, Regenerated, Received. That's what these three parables are showing us in the one. So the main teaching of this first part of the parable shows us the love of Christ who took upon him flesh and came into this world to save his people from their sins and the death of their sins and to give them life in himself. He gives them life by himself, by his own work. Now let's read verses 3 and 4. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having an hundred sheep... If he lose one of them, one sheep doth not leave the 99 in the wilderness. He leaves them in the wilderness to go and find, to go after that which is lost until he find it. Now, remember, when we're reading this parable, we're not looking for every word to line up, to match up to some specific doctrinal truth. We're not looking for every word to to be perfectly understood in some doctrinal truth. Rather, the Lord is making a point. He's teaching us an eternal truth. He's making a point with, with the whole of it. He's teaching you that hear him, you that are drawn to Christ and want to hear him, he's teaching you this truth here. And you'll notice that in each of these parts of the one parable, in every one of these There's always a party who is left to themselves, whether it's the the ninety-nine sheep, whether it's the lost coin, or whether it's the elder brother, they are left to themselves, and the Lord goes searching till he finds that one lost one. That is the, the, the primary theme in this whole thing, is that there's a party, there's a people left to themselves. Because they're not lost. But he goes after that one who is lost. And when he finds it, there is great rejoicing. Wonderful great rejoicing in heaven. And so that's the point that's being driven home here. That's what he's driving home. So understand this. This world is full of people who identify with the 99 sheep. Who identify with the nine coins who identify with the elder brother. How so? They were never lost. In their minds, in their ways, in their works, they were never lost. They're fine. They're okay. They have a righteousness for themselves. They don't need to be found. They're perfectly content in their own works and in their own way. They need no repentance, and Christ cares not for them. He's not looking for them. He's going after the one whom he is looking for. He's going after the lost sinner. The lost sinner who has no righteousness of their own. Look back in Luke 5. Look at Luke 5, verse 28. This is after Christ calls Levi to follow him. Levi is Matthew one of the apostles, the writer of the Gospel of Matthew. And we're told that when Christ called him, Levi left all. He left it, he forsook this world, everything, and then he rose up and followed Christ. He heard Christ, he drew near to Christ. And Levi, verse 29, made Christ a great feast in his own house, and there was a great company of publicans, others just like Levi. Levi was one of those tax collectors and of others, that is sinners, publicans and sinners that sat down with him. But their scribes and Pharisees, those in the city, their, their religious bunch, murmured against his disciples, saying, Why do ye eat and drink with publicans and sinners? And Jesus answering said unto them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. You see that? We know all men are sinners, but all men don't know that they're sinners. They don't believe that they're sinners. They're righteous. They're fine. They don't need to be found because they're not lost. And that's what Christ is building on here. He's building on this, only this time we're seeing more deeply the tenderness, the love, the willingness of God to save sinners who come to him, who come believing on Christ and calling upon the grace of God in Christ. So the man who leaves the other ninety-nine sheep to themselves and seeks that one lost sheep is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who's the the, the one who seeks after the lost sheep in this parable here. It's Christ. Verse five and six when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost. What is Christ talking about here? What has he done? He's describing what he has done for you that are sinners, who have no righteousness and cannot save yourselves, when he came into this world in the likeness of our sinful flesh yet without sin and he faithfully went to the cross bearing you bearing your sin bearing the wrath and punishment of god against you for your sin to make a righteousness for you and he didn't do this angry about it or upset he does it he did it rejoicing he put you on his shoulders rejoicing, rejoicing. Every one of his people rejoicing to do it. Isaiah 53 verse 6 describes this very parable. In this one verse, Isaiah 53 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He put us upon the shoulders of Christ, who bore us on the cursed tree to bear the curse that was our due, to die the death that was our death, to pay the debt that was our debt, to put it away. And he did it rejoicing, happily, gladly, because he loves his people which were given to him before the foundation of the world. He rejoices over his bride. He loves his bride. And we thank God for his unspeakable gift. We thank God for his unspeakable gift. Christ tells us in verse 7, back in Luke 15, verse 7, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety-nine just persons which need no repentance, All right? And there is there is no one that needs no repentance, but there's plenty that will never have it. They'll never, God doesn't ever give them repentance. They are left in the wilderness to themselves. They're left to themselves and they will not hear. So, but this one sheep, this one sheep is found because Christ sought out that one sheep and bore that sheep upon his shoulders And isn't that a rejoicing to you? It is to me, to us who are sinners, to know that Christ bore me in my sin, in his own body on the tree, to put it away forever. And and did it rejoicing and brings me home (laughs) rejoicing. I'm so thankful. So that sheep was born by Christ while he hung on the tree, shedding his blood for them. But Christ did not do that for the other 99 sheep because they were never lost. That's what's being driven home here. That's what the Lord is saying. Now, second, we come to the Spirit. So having accomplished this work of redemption, now we are given a view of the regeneration of the Holy Spirit, who seeks out that which is precious to Christ, that which is precious to the Father. Let's look at verse 8 and 9. Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver... If she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. So what is this candle light? It's the good news of the gospel, brethren. It is the good news of the gospel. Our Lord declares to you that the atonement has been made. The sin of God's people has been put away. The debt that we owed, that we could not satisfy God, that we could not satisfy the law and the justice of the law, by our works, by our righteousness, Christ has come and paid the debt as the surety of his people, as their substitute, As the mediator between God and men, Christ came, and for his people, he stood in the gap and bore that which we owed. And that's the good news. That's good news. Come to Christ. Look to Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. God receives all who come to the Father through the Son, having no righteousness of their own, having no hope of their own works, of their own righteousness, of their own goodness, But trust and believe the promise of God that all who come to him in the Son have eternal life. He gives that faith to his people and the good news declares what Christ has done. That salvation is obtained. And the Father is well pleased. He raised him from the dead. Christ is not still dead in the grave. He's raised from the dead declaring that God is satisfied. God is satisfied pleased with the son and all in him he's well in whom he is well pleased all that are in Christ are are received of the father and so the spirit comes and lights that candle and looks for his people and the spirit comes and sweeps up the place he sweeps the, the house how does he sweep the house with the preaching of the word and the spirit convicts the spirit reproves his people because there's a lot of people that 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 hear the gospel many are called but few are chosen but that holy the Holy Spirit is sweeping up the house with the preaching of the gospel and he's shining that light he's going into dark places and he's seeking he's looking he's calling to the lost diligently diligently till he finds it Think of what your God is going through, doing for you, accomplishing for you to deliver you from darkness, to take you out of the house of the strong man and to bring you to himself diligently. Diligently, he's doing this for his people. He's reproving them, reproving them, the world, right? His people scattered throughout the world. He's covering the whole globe, the whole world to reprove his people of sin, And of righteousness and of judgment. That's Holy Spirit conviction. That's what he does for his people. Holy Spirit conviction of sin so that we know I'm the sinner. And I have no righteousness of my own. My works stink. God doesn't receive them. He's not pleased with what I'm doing. And of righteousness to show me that Christ is all the righteousness that I need. And of judgment. That judgment is satisfied. I am free. Free in Christ, delivered from the bondage that is, that is shackled upon man in all his sin and death. I have been set free by the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the Spirit shines the light of the gospel into darkness and he sweeps the place with Holy Spirit conviction. A true work of grace done in the heart of each one of his lost people. In their heart. And through regeneration, the regeneration of the Holy Spirit, the coin is found. The coin is found. And Christ tells us in verse 10 Likewise I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth, that turns from dead works that cannot save to the one who does save, the, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that lost coin has been found. Under the blood of Christ. But the Holy Spirit did not do that for the other nine. Why not? They weren't lost. They weren't lost. Now, we come to the final parable of the the whole. And we see that redeemed, regenerated sinners are received by the Father. They are received by the Father. Let's pick up in verse 11. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. You can think of what what our God does for all peoples. He makes the sun to rise and the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. Every one. Around this this world is in. They have land, they have water, they have the sun, they have all these things which God has provided for us to live in and 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 live upon and 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 have that inheritance that's divided unto every man. We have governments and industry and and work and all kinds of things. Right, everyone has it. It's spread out among all. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together. And took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. He wasted it. That's what prodigal means. I always thought it meant the returning son. Nope. It means you're a waster. You wasted what God has given to you. And that's what what we are. We're wasters. We waste our time. We waste our energy. We waste our money. We just waste everything on riotous living with no thought of God who gave it to us. That's how we are by nature. And so that's what is being described here, that all of us in Adam are born dead sinners, dead, dead in trespasses and, and sins. We waste that which God's given us. But we're going to see that this one, this one, this younger son here, God has set his love upon. And God will be merciful. And God did something for this one that he does not do for for the rest, for the elder son. Right? There's even a picture in there of of the, the flesh and the new man, but 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 it's just showing here that God has his people that he will bless. And he brings them under conviction. He brings them under conviction. Look at verse 14. And when he had spent all there arose a mighty famine in that land and he began to be in want. Now, this seems hard on this, this, this sinner, but God is being gracious to him. He's bringing him into dire straits. He's shutting him up so that he can find no peace in this world. And, and so he finds no rest, no peace from the dead things of this world. And he's not going to find any peace or rest in dead religion either. That's what we come to here. He seeks it. He's looking for rest. He's looking for peace. He's looking for satisfaction. And that's seen here in verse 15, and he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, not God's country, this world. This is the religion of man. That's what he joined himself to. This country, and he sent that guy sends him into his fields to feed swine. He's throwing out things that are garbage that cannot save, that are just dead-letter religion, that have no sustenance, no value, nothing to save, to save us. And people think that if I just get a little religion, if I just give a little religion to my kids, it'll be good for them. At least I'm setting myself up for, to, to be saved. I'm putting myself in a good position. No, you're not. You're making yourself twice the son of hell as you were before in dead works religion, have nothing to do with it. It's, it's the religion of Babylon. It's just dead, dead works. And so this describes the religion of man and its works, which God has cursed. They are cursed works. They are just thorns, thistles, briars, bramble bushes. It, it's things that do not save. Now, swine here is, swine is a, is a picture of hypocrisy. It's a type of hypocrisy. How so? Well, when God gave the, the Israelites and when the, the clean animals that, that, that they could eat, they were described in two ways, right? They had the cloven hoof and they chewed the cud. And the swine, the pig, has the cloven hoof. From the outward appearance, they look like they're a clean animal. That they are of God. But inwardly, they do not chew the cud. They don't chew the cud. They don't receive the word of God. They do not hear it. They do not believe it. And so the swine is an unclean animal and they picture hypocrisy. And it says in verse 16 that he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat. I looked that up. I wanted to better understand what, what that was saying. And what, it, what it's saying is he was lusting for the same satisfaction in these things that they found. The pigs loved it. They were well satisfied. They were happy as pigs in mud. They were just rolling around and enjoying this food and seemed so happy. And that's how it is when the Lord stirs up a sinner, sweeps up that dust and kicks it up, and they're troubled and they're seeking for the true religion. But they find no peace, no rest for their souls in dead works religion the work of Pharisees, the religion of Pharisees, the salvation of the self-righteous. They find no satisfaction. God's people won't find satisfaction there. They'll still be troubled. And and it says that he was lusting to have that same satisfaction. Why can't I be at peace? They're so happy. I'm not happy with this garbage. It's not filling my belly. I'm not satisfied. Why can't I be like them? And he was just getting more and more troubled and, and worried that, it's not for him. God doesn't love him. He's cast out. That's how he sees it. It says that no man gave unto him. Everything he surrounded himself with in religion gave him no satisfaction, nothing to fill his hungry belly. Why? Because God will not allow him. He won't allow his child to just sink down into the mire and be satisfied with death. They won't love. the th- the God's people do not love the things that, that the swine love, that the hypocrite loves and is satisfied with. We must have the true and living God. He seeks for those that, that worship him in spirit and in truth. And God's going to have that in his child. He's going to work that in his people. And so Christ doesn't spell out every single detail here in this parable. It's a parable. He's not spelling out every detail, but this man is delivered from dead religion by the redemption of Christ and the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. And therefore, he comes out from among them. He is brought out of the church of Babylon. That's no church at all. It's just a synagogue of Satan. And he's brought out. God delivers his people from dead religion. If, if anyone hears this online and, and you're just sitting in a church, just to sit in church, but you know it's death, And not the truth, it's just husks of swine come out from among them. Move if you have to and go to where the gospel is preached and sit under the gospel that you may be fed, well fed, and satisfied by the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he comes under this conviction and therefore he returns to the Father. He goes to the Father being born again, a humbled sinner, believing God. Look at verse 17 through 19. And when he came to himself, right, when the Lord stirred him up, brought him under Holy Spirit conviction, stirred him up so that he wasn't satisfied there and, and, and kept on looking, kept on going back to the father, he said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, father, I have sinned against heaven. And before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son, make me as one of thy hired servants. And so we see here the effect of God, who is able to take a proud, arrogant sinner and to humble him, to bring us low in ourselves, to put our face in the dust, our mouth in the dust, and to to own that we're the sinner. I'm the sinner. I have nothing to give to God. And that's how he comes to God with nothing in his hands. He comes to the Father Lord, have mercy on me. Save me. Let me feed upon that bread which you give to your citizens in in your kingdom. Lord, receive me. And so he came seeking satisfaction. The satisfaction that all God's people have in the Lord Jesus Christ. So he arose, verse 20, and he came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. You know, that makes me think, and this is, when, when we're in religion, and we would be hard and cold and distant and bitter and cynical to anyone who seems to have any smoke or any, any the, the smoking flax or a bruised reed, the father says, while well, he's a, yet a great way off. Doesn't know nothing. <laughs> knows very little. All he knows is that Christ is the truth. And he's trying to get to him. He wants to know him. The father sees him afar Far way off. That's how we're to be. That's how we're to be. Don't be so quick to cut people off. Be patient with one another. As God is patient with with us, with me, with you. Be patient with them. Because we know what we are. We know the thoughts we think. We know the folly we get ourselves into and, and the, the foolish things we do. And yet God didn't cut us off. He doesn't smack us in the face and push us away. He comes to us while we're yet a far way off. And receives us, and so he had the father had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck, and kissed him, and kissed him and so that 's why the publicans and sinners came to Christ because he didn't push them away. He ran to them, he went to where they were in the filthy places that they were in, and he <laughs> spoke the truth to, tenderly, truthfully, honestly, saying the things that they needed to hear and so the scriptures tell us that same thing that that whosoever believeth on him shall never be ashamed you that are sinners you that have no righteousness no goodness go to Christ he's gracious he will not rebuke he will not cast off he will not turn you away and send you away empty whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved they shall be saved And so the son comes, and he begins to make his appeal to the father, and the father just shuts it down. (laughs) He's come. Come on in. Just come in, and let's feast. Let's feast. The father said in verse 22 to his servants, you preachers of the gospel, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. You preach the gospel. You tell them Christ, what Christ has done, bring it. Bring it all. Put it all on them. Just lay it out for them. Let them hear it. Let them hear what's been done. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. Preach Christ. Preach Christ crucified to the people. That's what they need. They need Christ. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. All these things that the father had done by his servants for this son, they're all types and pictures of the spiritual blessings that God gives to us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 1, 3. Right? These are all spiritual blessings. The kisses are his love. That robe is to cover them with the blood of Christ, his righteousness. That ring is, speaks of the, the adoption that we have as sons and daughters brought into the family of God. We're his children. The shoes, that is, ground them in the gospel of peace. Let their feet be shod with the gospel of peace. And so the father slew Christ, pictured in that fatted calf upon whom his people feed. That's what we eat. The swine don't care for it. They don't eat it. They're happy with the husks. They're not lost. They're, they're happy in their filth and in their mud. But for you. For you that believe, for you that are lost, for you that have no righteousness of your own, Christ was slain for you, for you. And that's who we feed upon. And we are satisfied with him. We feed upon him each time we come. We are satisfied with him and we make merry in fellowship with our God, rejoicing in what God has done for us in Christ for all eternity. And now, just to close up, these things were never done for the elder brother. He never entered the house and came into the feast himself. He stood out in the field where the swine were feeding with the citizen of this world in that field. That's where he stood, and he was bitter and upset and complained about the mercy of God for sinners. And so the point here of this parable shows us just how gracious and merciful God is to receive sinners who come to him with nothing in their hand, seeking the mercy of God in Christ Jesus, the one whom God sent to save his people, the lost sinner from their sins. And so you sinners, let nothing stop you. (laughs) You come to Christ, draw near to him to hear him, just as these publicans and sinners did. Because we see the grace and mercy of God for lost sinners. We see his abundance and his care and his tenderness to do everything necessary for them. All who come to the Father through Jesus Christ the Son shall be richly, warmly, blessedly received in him through Christ. I pray he bless that word and warm your heart in Christ your Savior. Amen.